process of learning this and how to do it really calls on a lot of qualities of heart, including things like patience and resolve and letting go and compassion and goodwill and all of that. So, I remember the title of a book that Stephen Levine wrote. It's called uh, A Gradual Awakening. A Gradual Awakening. You should underline that part, Gradual (laughs) Awakening. How how many people were asleep for part of this setting? Oh, come on, more than that. The rest of you didn't know you were. <laughs> so, you know, we, we come up against uh, this experience when we come into retreat like this. It's kind of like busy, busy life, life, getting out of town, packing, packing, tying things up, driving, driving, unpacking, getting in the room, figuring out what's what. It, and then it's kind of like hitting a wall of jello or something, right? So now a lot of the sensory stimulation is... Uh, has dropped away, and the device used to, and all the rest of it. So, you know, there's a certain kind of way in which there's a little bit of withdrawal at the beginning of this. So, you know, just to normalize that. To normalize all of it is a really important thing. So the more you can respond with self-support if you're being challenged, that's really important. Because there will be thinking anyway that goes on from time to time. Have you noticed that? There will be thinking going on from time to time. So if there's going to be thinking going on from time to time, can you incline the mind to be it, for it to be self-supporting kind of thinking? Like, oh, it's okay. You can learn this. All right, just start again. It's all right. Let's be just patient. Let's just come back, right? Not, you know, spanking the, the donkey or anything, right? So goodwill is an important piece. And remember the support of the noting, the noting. So noting, the, the use of just, you know, a, a simple word that kind of tags the experiences is a way of uh, using this quality of mind called perception when the mind is recognizing its experience in real time, perceiving, for instance, the beginning of the in-breath, it strengthens mindfulness. Strong perception is uh, the cause of the arising or the strengthening of mindfulness. So it can be useful. And it can be, uh, you know, awkward. It can be like, oh, I don't want to. But it's a good tool to use and, uh, and to develop some mastery of in part because at other stages in the practice, at deeper levels in the practice, one of the things that noting can do is to help you cultivate equanimity in relationship to what you're experiencing. And it will support you in being able to, for instance, deconstruct particularly difficult uh, or alluring patterns of thought, emotion, and body sensation. So uh, it's very useful, very useful support. And it right at the beginning, and it's just a little 
whisper in the mind, in. Then the sensations of the in-breath unfold. I shouldn't go like that. I should go the sensation in, the sensations of the in-breath unfold in the present moment. Pause, out, sensations of the out-breath unfold, all in the present moment. Pause. And the other support I saw that I noticed that some of you were using uh, to help contact the sensations of the breath is that act of you know putting your hand on the abdomen for a period of time. It can help, uh, sometimes help, get the attention connected to what's going on here. You know, we tend to think of our attention as being like up here, <laughs> and then we kind of like have to find the body. But actually, um, the mind is distributed throughout. Um, can connect with any of the sense doors, any place within the, the physical body. So what if you thought of it as, oh, okay, there's awareness kind of like here. The awareness is here rather than the awareness is up here and i got to like direct it to <laughs> go down and find it. What if you thought of it as, okay, there's some, there's a receptivity to this field of sensation. And in a certain kind of way, you, you kind of turn awareness to that and then it's there. The awareness is right there. practice tips. You just got some. All right, now um, we're going to talk about walking meditation now. How many of you uh, know walking meditation well? Yeah, sub subgroup. Do you know why you're doing walking meditation when you do it? <laughs> Is it a frustrating time waster? <laughs> I uh, so just some clarification about that, because when I first was given the instruction for walking meditation, my mind just did not get on board with it. It was like, especially when the instruction was, well, you know, you just set up a walking path, you know, maybe from that railing to, you know, the radiator over there in length, and just a length and you, you know, walk back and forth and you just feel what that is. This is the instruction I got as I remember it. And then the uh, the cherry on the cake was, and there's, don't worry about it, you're not going any place, there's no point to, to it. And my mind was like, oh, why are we doing it? It's so stupid. Um, but then that's just my mind, okay. I'm sure none of your minds are like that. So, Here's, here's why. First, to say, in order for the value of uh, walking pra- practice to show itself, you've got to give it the love. So can you take as a tentative uh, possibility here that the reason this has been taught for 2,600 years or more is that it has some kind of value that you m- might learn to understand by committing yourself to the process of doing it. So 
for our purposes here, some of the, the values of this are it gives ease to the body because you don't have to be just sitting and practicing all the time. Right? So it can actually generate energy to help counteract sleepiness and dullness. It can also, if you've got excess energy, can be a way of helping to discharge that excess energy and balance the mind in that kind of way. It's a continuation of working with the physical sens- the field of physical sensations in the body. In this case, you're not the mind isn't turned towards the breath. The mind is turned towards the physical sensations primarily of the feet and lower legs as you're moving. That's the the attentional field there. And the mind can, and this may surprise you uh, in the early stages of the the practice, but the mind can actually get very, very concentrated in walking practice. So were the mind to be develop some concentration in walking practice, then one has the experience when you come back into the hall for the sitting practice that the walking is actually feeding the sitting. And why is that? It's because you're not having a cold start every time when you come in for the sitting. You know what I mean by a cold start? Where your mind is just, you know, for the last hour or so, is just kind of like run rampant. (laughs) <laughs> with little awareness, and then you come back and you got got to start by like trying to find the body. <laughs> so you know the walking and the sitting feed each other. So now you've collected some attention in the body and in the present moment by doing the sitting practice. So what I'd invite you to do now is to. Keep attention in the body. Don't try too hard. Keep attention with the body as you uncurl yourself and stand up. See if you can just feel general sensations going on in the the change of posture. Let me see if the handheld mic is going to work for me here. Okay. You are now in the standing posture. And this is one of the postures that the Buddha talks about practicing meditation in. He says you can practice meditation standing, sitting, walking, or lying down. You are now practicing awareness of standing. So as you're standing... and you're attending to the sensations of the body, can you incline the mind to receive the sensations of the feet?
And if you were to notice those, you might notice, first of all, pressure or heaviness. Maybe there's a sense of coolness or something else. So you're standing now. This is how you start the walking practice. After having picked out a length that you're going to be using as your walking path. And so you, you want to have a, a length. You start at one end by feeling the body standing. And all through this practice you incline the mind to be with the sensations of standing and or walking. Mostly with uh, the legs and uh, the lower legs and the feet. Now you would start, if you start, you start embodied, right? You start feeling the feet. So you're there and you're in the body. It can be useful in this practice to actually turn your eyes down slightly. You don't need to point your head down, but you can unless you wish to. Cut down some of the visual stimuli. That can make it a little easier to find the body. We take in a lot, a lot of information through the eyes. Now, will the recorder be my walking model? Thank you. Okay. So standing. First, walk just kind of like your normal pace. And that's generally how you want to start. Just walk normal speed. Okay, he stops. Okay, he's got... And he turns. Oh, big event. A lot of sensation there. And he walks again. You've seen this before. You've done this yourself. Okay, turn. Thank you. So you want to want to do some regular walking for a bit. What makes it meditation is you know you're walking and you're connecting at- attention to the field of sensations involved in walking. We do a good amount of walking, many of us. It's often one of the most spaced out <laughs> times. Have you, ever, you will soon find out. Right? It's like we're thinking about, i got to do this, i got to do that, or, you know, i got to resp- respond to that text message. Which is a pointing out of, we can do this with complete automaticity. Right? Without even knowing it. I mean, we get up in the middle of the night because we need to use the bathroom or something. We're somnolent. <laughs> you know? Some, uh, somehow we mostly don't walk into walls. But now, can we invite mindfulness to be present in a way that we're actually registering on this sensory level, this experience of walking? 
And this is this is our meditation. Okay, would you walk a second lap, like medium speed, like a little bit, a bit slower than what you usually do. So now he's in a, a gear that isn't automatic, which can actually help you be present. Kind of slows things down. Okay, turn. This is medium gear here. So with the change of speed, there's some change in the set of sensations that are being known as well. Okay, turn. And then I'll offer the last instruction and give you some provisos about it. Do you know the lifting, moving, placing? Okay, so this is like slow walking. This is the third. He lifts, moves, places. So now, lifting is one set of sensations, moving, placing. Lifting, moving, placing. Lifting, moving, placing. Thank you. That's great. And um, you know we can we can space that at any of these speeds. <laughs> uh, those of you who have pra- had done this practice know that you can you can be physically doing ultra slow walking and be like totally spaced out. Um, so we can use the noting with this practice too. So at, at the regular walking speed and the medium speed, you would note, you might notice step, 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 step. And the trick would be to see if you can coordinate the note with the beginning of the contact of the foot with the ground. And you, you'll know you've kind of like lost the thread if you find yourself step, 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 when it should be step, step, right? So this is, this is one way that noting can kind of keep us honest and a little more connected. Now, how many of you have done the slow walking? Okay, all right. All right, this is a... Uh, some practice tips now I'm going to give everybody around walking. Do this in a way that supports your ability to be attentive and be present, right? So you don't want to have an idea in your mind, especially if the mind is like um, busy, spaced out, or you, you haven't done this practice before, that you're going to try to do the really good one, you know, the lifting, moving, placing, it's too much. You know, this is primarily um, connecting and receiving practice. Connect with the field, the experience, and receive it. Let it manifest itself to you. So we're not like trying to like nail our mind to things, right? That's too much tightness in the mind. 
So you want to work with these different speeds, work with them in a way that supports the mind being interested in, and able to be present with the field of sensations in a way that works for you. Right? That makes, inclines the mind towards interest. So as I said earlier about this practice, you got to give it the love before it shows itself. Right? So you, this is an important um, thing about all of this, is that patience is, is required. Because there's a certain, you know, we have threshold habits of the mind just kind of like, oh, oh, this is boring, this isn't interesting. Uh, you know, why don't I go look for birds or something? <laughs> it's like, such a beautiful day out. Let me go down and look at the flowers. Not that there's anything wrong about flowers or looking at birds, right? Um, but when you're, you've committed yourself to a practice period, see what you can, see if you can do the practice, you know? Play the game. Play the, the game of cultivation of mindfulness and all these other wholesome qualities of mind. And don't give yourself a grade. Okay? Beginner's mind. Beginner's mind. Can you approach it like, you know, a child would approach, you know, learning how to drink out of a hose or something? It's just simple. Right? They don't, like, complexify it or, you know, oh... I did a bad sandcastle, you know, it's like just interest, organic interest, noticing, allowing, if there's allowing it to be pleasant, inclining the mind to think of what you're doing as being able, the relief of being able to now to let go of other things, not a have to do. Oh, it's a relief. It's a release to be able to let go of other things now and just be with this. Okay. You got it? All right. Any questions about the walking practice? Yes. There's mental judging about not being able to do the three-part walking because you used to. Okay, so as someone who has at certain points in life had difficulty walking, I can relate to what you're saying. But let, I'll tell you a, a story about my own experience with this. So once when I went on a three-month retreat here, I had to come to confrontation with the fact I was very resistant to walking. So once I realized that it was going to be like 45-minute or hour-long walking sessions, you know, like six or seven times a day for three months, it's like, okay, i got to figure out a way to get on. i got to get on board with this. You, know, you, can't, you can't be like, you know... Um, uh, pedaling the bicycle and applying the brakes at the same time for three months. So I did find a way to really commit myself to it. And the mind actually got very, very concentrated in the walking, as I've described it, that can happen. 
then, so the next time I came back for a three-month retreat, I had a whole strategy about how I was going to get concentrated. I was going to use the walking in the same kind of way that I had, which was barefoot walking. Right out here in (laughs) this walking hall. And when I came here, I found that I couldn't do it. I had something going on with my body where my my uh, feet and lower legs were really swollen and it was painful. And I realized after a few days, it's like it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And I went through this big thing about I can't do it, I can't do it. And at a certain point, wisdom arose in the mind and was like, well... I guess this will be your letting go retreat. (laughs) Right? Because I was causing myself misery by my insistence that in order to do the practice, I needed to be able to do it in a certain kind of way. When really this practice is about helping us connect to our experience in real time in a way that's functional, (laughs) kind, wise. And I had to really take on the truth. I can't do this And so there was the sad and mad and frustrated and, oh, I want to do it so much. And I, you know, it was so good when I could do it. And I want to do it. It's like, oh, I'm causing myself a lot of suffering. So I don't hold on to the dukkha. You know, what is the Buddhist teaching around craving? The cause of discretionary human suffering, he says, is craving born from delusion, which is another way of saying the mind insisting, the heart-mind insisting, that something be other than the way that it actually is. So I'll just put that forward. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, I think it's fine to start with a general field of sensations of the body walking. Yes. Incline the mind to recognize largely the sensations of the feet and the lower legs. So it's just a parallel way of saying, for instance, one can sit and be with the breath in the body, the whole body, right? Or one can sit and be with, incline the mind to recognize the breath sensations with the rising and falling, or in some uh, schools of practice, recognize the sensations of the breath at the nostrils. They're all one way to think of it is they're different sized target areas, right? So um, uh, the specificity um, uh, and the particularity can can deepen in a certain kind of way by restricting the field of attention or inclining the mind towards a particular field of intention that becomes increasingly subtle. But, you know, don't turn this into like, oh, i got to do the six-part walking. There's a six-part walking. i got to do the six-part walking or I'm not really doing it. This is delusion in the mind, people. So you wor- start by what you work. You work 
with what's available to your field of perception happily. And then if you attend to that wisely, your perception and your sensitivity and your mindfulness and concentration will all strengthen. And more will open all on its own without you, like, you know, trying to pry the lid off the the paint can (laughs) to get in there and dabble. See, just trust the process. Find some happiness in it. Okay, you can go about your yogi business now. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.